Oh, the comedy of Virginia area football. See, the comedy is the fact that right now it's pretty clear that JMU and Liberty are, I would even say, Trey, unequivocally the two best teams in terms of their football products in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Right now, yeah. As of right now. Not the biggest brands. Let's let's differentiate that. Biggest brands are still Virginia Tech and Virginia. Power rank. But power ranking unequivocally. I mean, heck, we got a preview of that at the beginning of the year when we were previewing college football. And pro handicapper Paul Stone of paulstonesports.org. Very respected. He's a VSIN contributor, Vegas Stats and Information Network. He was part of Bet Bash, uh, the event that's put on out in Las Vegas. And he said that even before the season, he had JMU as a pick'em against Virginia. And obviously that number closed JMU favored by six and a half while Virginia covered that. And it was kind of a pick'em type game. They've got the head-to-head advantage. Now, Virginia Tech could say they beat Liberty. Last year was last year. This year is this year. So as the saying goes, that was then, this is now. But it is true that just looking at this, I would say objectively, it's not much of a doubt. I mean, Liberty has been dominant in their 4-0 start. They've got wins at home. They've got wins on the road. They've done all the things that you would expect a team that's good at football to do. JMU. Oh, by the way, after that win against Virginia, they beat both Liberty, excuse me, they beat both Troy and Utah State on the road. Utah State, not a great team, but yeah, but, but it was on the road. But still, it's the third straight road game. It's in elevation out there in Utah. And JMU took care of business. So they deserve the credit. I don't think it's overblowing it. I don't think it's oversimplifying it. If anything, it's just calling it like you see it right now. I mean, let's be real, Trey. In terms of the direction of the programs, which direction would you say you trust now more? Liberty or Virginia? JMU or Virginia Tech? And I'll put the Virginia Tech one on hold a little bit because I see signs of progress. Yeah, and Tech's dealing... Tech- Again, had a depth issue. And, like, if you look at their captain's list, I think, what, one is playing right now? Yes. They've Off the top of my head. Yeah, they, they had a depth issue, and and they dealt with a lot of injuries, and I think that that's, that's hard. All right, trust to do what? Like, yeah, I trust JMU. I probably trust JMU the most, and that's only because this coaching staff has been there at that school. Like, I trust Jamie Chadwell a lot. I'm a big Jamie Chadwell fan. Like, I thought he should have got hired at Georgia Tech because he's that good of a coach. Like, I look at... Granted, I saw someone tweet that Tim Beck should be the new OC for Virginia Tech, and I just chuckled at that because go look at Coastal this year. They offense sucks, and they have one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I'm going to throw it out there, by the way. If you want to go that route for the offensive coordinator for Virginia Tech, grab Willie Korn from Liberty. No, I... You know who I said... I said Ricky Ronnie when ODU was when trailing. ODU gets rid of him. ODU was trailing three nothing. I was like, he's a really good OC. Well, Look at Texas A&M Commerce, wherever that D2. is. Hey, in the nine. You know who their Old linebacker coach is? Who? Former Virginia Tech linebacker Jack Tyler. How about that pull? At Texas A&M Commerce. Yep. How about that pull? Trey, fist bump for that level of knowledge and research. That's the nerd out type just, stuff. I, I just follow together. him on Twitter. That's the only reason why I knew that. Um. Uh, but I so I would put JMU one, 
because one, they essentially won, in my opinion, the hardest group of five conference to win last year. Because they really had like four elite teams in terms of group of five teams. Coastal, South Alabama, Troy, and then JMU. And then you throw in App State. You, like I think the Sun Belt is probably right now the best group of five conference. It's them that are the American, obviously. So they won that last year without winning it because they couldn't play in the championship game, which is a dumb rule. And then I'd put, G- I'd put Liberty second. Then I'd put tech third and then i'd make a giant hole and that's virginia yeah i mean virginia is clearly where you are right now in terms of a giant hole but i mean i've got i think it's reasonable if you want to be more cynical of virginia tech and we've both been outspoken traded at least we see some signs of optimism for virginia tech they're not pulling in the gideon davidson lca the peyton lewis salem running back committed to tennessee davidson of course the running back from lca committed to clemson or even the Chris Cole, a linebacker of Salem, who's committed to Georgia. Or the kids from Patrick Henry, went to Penn State last year. One of them, the others committed to Notre Dame. They're not grabbing those guys. But there's at least a path that they are upgrading the talent. Now, they're failing to do so in the key areas. They haven't developed the defensive line the way you would expect. They returned a lot of players from last year. And it seems like that unit's regressed, considering how bad the run defense has been. And they don't show, they haven't shown yet that they can take linebacker talent and utilize it. And I understand their issues at safety for Virginia Tech, yes. But they've at least acquired decent talent. You can say, okay, they're trying to upgrade the roster talent-wise from the end of the Justin Fuente era when it was rather barren. I can buy that line of thinking. But Virginia, I mean, I just, again, struggle to see any of that right now with them. And if you want to criticize Virginia Tech and Virginia both, hey, I get it. Because what progress have these programs realistically seemingly made to the outside eye in terms of their win-loss record compared to to prior years. Heck, listen to this. Brent Pry speaking with Mike Burnup of the Virginia Tech Radio Network on too many penalties and a losing effort. Yeah, too, too many penalties. That's something that uh, we've been working like crazy to improve. The last couple of weeks have gotten better. I thought we reverted back a little bit tonight, and that's we got to take a long, hard look, and we've got to all be accountable to it and, and figure out ways to improve. Obviously, that was Tyler Bowen, the offensive coordinator for Virginia Tech, not Brent Pry. But here's Brent Pry. Also, speaking with Mike Byrne with the Virginia Tech Network, as you hear on your home for the Hokies, the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app, also a slew of much more exciting college and pro football games that we cover and carry CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg on Facebook to keep up with that. But Brent Pry speaking with Mike Burnup on the Virginia Tech postgame show on losing fundamentals when the going gets tough. You know, it's about fundamentals and technique and, and you know, winning your one-on-one. And we just... I feel like we just get out of sorts, you know. When it's a tight situation, we don't uh, we don't resort to fundamentals and technique. We kind of, you know, we look a little bit like a backyard team, you know, and, and we lose all those things that, that are important to playing good football. Brent Pry speaking with Mike Burnham, Virginia Tech Radio Network, after yet another loss. But it's not just that. Go to the other side of the Commonwealth and the other power program, which, as Trey and I mentioned to kick off the fast lane, they are below... Schools like Liberty and JMU, who have performed much better and shown they can handle challenges and pits of adversity in their schedule. In part because, well, you have to earn the right to get a victory, and Virginia has not done that either. Overall, when you have 12 penalties, okay, they turn the ball over four times, uh, and you don't come away with uh, with points uh, off those turnovers like you should, then, then you haven't earned the right to win the game. Or Tony Elliott on this. 
can't beat yourself. The truth is, you know, we can't we can't continue to lose to ourselves. We got 12 penalties. You know, we got some some critical mistakes by uh, some of our older guys. Um, you know, offensively, you know, we, we, another situation, a little adversity early in the game, and guys started to abandon their technique and, and and go away from the things that we've been teaching them to do and just trying to play ball. And and that's that's just not who I am. That's not who we are as a program. And and because of that, we're not playing complimentary football. Not playing complimentary football. Not who we are as a program. That's Tony Elliott speaking after another loss. And when you're not very good, it's hard to trust that you're going to benefit from breaks. You know, defense gave us some short fields. We couldn't capitalize. As soon as we hit a big play, then we have a, a mental mistake. You know, we have a holding call, a false start, something that gets us behind the chains. Tony Elliott speaking after another loss. So we've played those bites from Brent Pry, Virginia Tech Radio Network postgame show. Tyler Bowen, same thing, speaking with Mike Burnup on the Hokies postgame show on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. You're home for the Hokies. And then Tony Elliott after a loss. Now, there's a catch to all those sound bites that we played, all five of them. And you might have gleaned it from some of the details that were shared, the number of penalties that popped up last night, times like that. Here's the thing. You could apply that to this year, but Trey, those were the things that they were saying at the exact same time a year ago. I went back into our archives here in my elaborate, ridiculous folder system here at the Virginia Talk Radio Network. And went back it works. in. Yeah, apparently it does. And I pulled out clips, and they sound like the exact same thing that we're hearing right now. So if you're a fan of Virginia, certainly they haven't won a game this year and have not shown any signs of progress in talent acquisition. In fact, they've lost a number of key contributors. And then Virginia Tech, who have brought in some talented players, but the results don't look any different. They're at a one and three start at this point, much like they were at the same juncture last year can you blame either fan base for feeling like it's groundhog day or deja vu all over again when literally the sound bites we just played from a year ago trey if you just threw them out there to a random fan and they didn't happen to hear the entire segment we just did explaining that we just played sound bites from a year ago you could easily dupe yourself into believing that's what the coaching staff said again if you're having to say it again and again something is not working and it isn't just the players it isn't just the coaching staff and it is a reality that it's harder than ever before to get buy-in to keep players engaged to keep players from checking out mentally when the adversity starts to hit knowing there's the transfer portal that's out there and let's be honest knowing that a lot of bigger programs that are well resourced and have infinitely more dollar dollar bills y'all at their disposal to spend on whatever including player acquisition they can scour the roster and look for players that might be able to upgrade themselves as a team. <coughs> Fentral Cypress to Florida State. <coughs> USC. <coughs> Insert your SEC school here. Not saying that that would ever happen in any of those programs, but you know, let's just play the hypothetical. I don't think USC needs to, a new receivers coach based off the fact that they really get a receiver. No, but I'm going Same more thing on for the Florida fact State. That, no, I'm going more on the fact that if you're those programs, you can look at Fentral Cypress with the defensive back from Virginia, who transferred to Florida State. Oh, oh, I'm thinking of Fontel Wines. I don't know why I'm thinking of... I, I mean, you've got an F that's tied into Virginia. I, I, Fontel, I was but, thinking of a receiver coach. I was like, it makes no sense. But, but Trey... My, but you got a point. Trey, answer my question, though. Those sound bites that we just played from a year ago, does it not sound like the same thing that if you're a Tech or a UVA fan, you're hearing right now, and you've got to be wondering, how in the world is this any different? Yeah, uh, I I agree with that. I will say this. Uh, good news, Virginia Tech. The only team 
That is good. Well, you only play two two good teams and a decent team left. At Florida State, and then Syracuse appears to be a good team. And then at Louisville. Wake just lost to Georgia Tech. They don't look great. Boston College probably should have lost to Holy Cross. They don't look great. NC State does not have an offense. And then there's Virginia. So, oh, Dr. Bob struggling so with like, offense. You don't say. So, like, I'm just saying... I'm not saying Tech will win more than, like, two of those games. Oh, and throwing Pitt this weekend, well, their offense hasn't looked great. Jakovic keep turning the ball off, and they don't have their left tackle. So, And you know how Narduzzi wants to play. It'll be ugly anyways. Um, compared to <coughs> Virginia, who still has to play North Carolina and Miami and Duke, which good luck with that. Yeah, well, um, that's that's a valid point. But that, that's comparing those two teams. But going back to your point, yeah, uh, you know, Tech has played one clean game this year, and it's the game they won. If Tech played clean, honestly, probably, I would say at least against Rutgers and against Marshall and had any sort of run fit, they probably win both of those games. Uh, Because did you know Tech has had, if you go by success rate, Tech has had, uh, I think, last three weeks, uh, all losses have had a better success rate than their opponent. But the big play is what's hurt them. They have terrible run fits, which is get basically allowing the big runs, i.e. mistakes. So the concern I have for Virginia Tech is Brent Pry is a linebacker's coach. 100%. I know where you're going with this, and I 1,000% think you're on the money. He, he, he is the guy who discovered Micah Parsons and turned Micah Parsons someone to what he is now. So I have faith this can get corrected. But the worst unit on this team so far this season has been their linebackers. And their run fits have been awful. If they get, if Virginia Tech had moderate run fits, I, I would argue they would be at least 2-2. Two and two. Like, the right... Oh, no, 100%. They, they should have beat, like, they should have beat, like, the way they played against Marshall, they they looked. They seized, They actually led the game and looked like they were in control. Early. They should have run the ball more. I think that's Tyler Bowen. Again, he, and I saw this point brought up, and it's a really good point, is for whatever reason, Virginia Tech, basically since Bud Foster, has decided to go the route of very inexperienced coordinators. Whether it's, you know, obviously Justin Hamilton, you know, Brad Cornelison, who is the OC of the worst offense in FBS. I just want to add that part in. Um, all Chris Marv and Tyler Bowen were all first-time FBS offensive coordinators when they got hired. That is a big risk. I like Chris Marv a lot. I think he's doing... I think I had high expectations for this defense. I didn't have him for Tyler Bowen. Um, so, I think... Tech's, and I wonder about this, Tech's issues feel like they can be cleaned up more as the season goes on compared to UVA. UVA has, I think, it. you know, uh, the Cover 3 podcast talks about Anthony Calangelo a lot. Maybe they Calandria. Talk, Calandria, my bad. Uh, a lot because he, they might, you know, outside of like the heavy hitters, he might be the most talked about quarterback on the podcast because he, you know, he is YOLO ball to the times 100. So it's entertaining but I do wonder, like, with their margin of error, like, he's the best and worst thing for UVA because they're finally having somewhat of an explosive passing game. 
but also their margin error is so so small that they're 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 having a lot of turnovers. That's what lost them against NC State. So, yeah, I. But it's not just turnovers; it's the mistakes. Yes. I mean, we we highlighted the, the, the penalty of him taking the helmet off, which it was kind of a dumb call because the helmet was coming off anyways. Uh, but you have to know those but, rules, and it's on the coaching yeah. staff to instill that in a team. I.e. Notre Dame. Uh, yes. Well, well, I mean, yeah, Notre Dame, not having, you know, 10 minutes on the field, the final two defensive plays is ridiculous. Uh, it, send one out there, take the offside, it's going to cost you a half yard. I mean, that's kind of ridiculous anyway. Not to mention the fact that I'd rather have the 11 guys right in, you know, Go from the one and a half to the .75 yard line, and I mean the result could well be the same anyway. But your point is exactly made very well, Trey, and that is for Virginia and Virginia Tech both. It's the inexperience when it comes to coaches and the seeming inability to have anybody that's got that veteran presence to guide them through what these challenges are right now, and that's a bigger picture part, frankly, to the programs because you need to identify these. Former head coaches who are not going to be head coaches again, but you can pay enough money to say, hey, come here and be kind of a consultant, if you will, for our coaching staff and for our program. Virginia Tech did that in the back half of the Justin Fuente era, but it took them a while to do that. And yes, Fuente was more experienced as a head coach. Pry and Elliott have never been that, whereas Fuente and Mendenhall have had that. But having extra voices in the room, especially for younger coaches, and letting them know, look, we want you to bring someone in that you're comfortable with, that you might know that's got that experience that can, if nothing else, help guide you through the day-to-day X's and O's and point out weaknesses to coach your best so that you're doing it because it seems like there are way too many things that are falling through the cracks. And it goes back to what we mentioned last week, Trey, and that is Liberty's got a former head coach in and of himself and Jamie Chadwell. Signetti at JMU has grown into the role, but it's a smaller profile program which has a winning infrastructure in place, unlike Virginia Tech. And maybe you could say Virginia at the end of the Tony at the end of the Bronco Mendenhall era, given what, of course, when things go bad, things have now come out. And you want to go back to the the inexperienced part. Think about this. The two kind of prominent offensive coaches that had Power 5 experience, or most notable, was obviously Brad Glenn, who's now left and is the OC at Cincinnati, and Joe Rudolph, who's now the OC or the offensive line coach at Notre Dame. And I, I, Trey's going to say this, understanding the talent level between Notre Dame and Virginia Tech on the offensive line is, is gaping. I love the third person, by the way. I know. Thank you. But because Notre Dame does have maybe the best left tackle in the country, but Notre Dame's offensive line has improved from last season. Virginia Tech has not, and the difference is Joe Rudolph. So, um, yeah, I, I think for one, it's an experience on the coaching staff, uh, but, you know, Virginia has experience in the coaching staff on a Power 5 level. Tech didn't. I think mistakes need to be cleaned up, like pre-snap penalties were absurd it, for Virginia Tech. Absurd. Um, it, Their margin of error, like, the problem is, like, I think the real difference with a lot of rebuilds and the reason they don't get, you know, going is when your margin of error is so small, like, we can, you want to look on a big scale, go back to Colorado State versus Colorado. Colorado State's margin of error was so small. They committed, what, 18 penalties? And they lost. It's the same thing with Tech and UVA. No matter who they play this season, their margin of error is so small. That's why they need to limit turnovers and limit penalties. And they can win football games. Like, I think both teams could win. 
at least one one to two more games this year because the bottom part of the ACC is not that great. And good news for both, they play a lot of those teams in the bottom part of the ACC. That's the good news. The bad news is, are they good enough to even capitalize on that? Which is a very legitimate question that we will discuss with David Cunningham of TechSideline.com. Is, is your coach prime? How are you, you feeling about your boy, Coach Prime? You know... Do you believe that? Huh? I don't know about the rest of this season. Oh, no. Oh, I think no, they could no, still no. go to a bowl game. I think they realistically could. But there's a clear line that they just don't have the overall players in the trenches to compete with the best teams in the Pac-12. And when they go up against USC this coming weekend, I was gonna say. Utah, as ugly as that win was, I don't think Colorado's necessarily equipped unless it's a mud fight type game and Colorado can make a play or two. But they've still got Oregon State and Washington State. By the way, that was a phenomenal game, even though nobody uh, in the TV world thinks what those are Lee, valuable programs. What Lee Corso said, nobody wants this bowl. But yeah, so my big takeaways from one, do you think Fox will regret? Uh, put, now, I don't think they'll regret putting the big noon game on, on this game, even though it's going to no. be a 9 a.m. kickoff. 9 a.m. kickoff. Pacific, because it's, it's big noon. It is... I don't think they will regret it at all. No, they'll have a big rating. It'll be a blowout, but it'll have a big rating. Um, but uh, good news for Colorado. You play Arizona State, Stanford, and Arizona left, you'll get those three wins. You'll yes. get six. Undoubtedly, that'll be the case. Insight on your team. Oh, do you topics. have any 80-year-old coaches you want to take a shot at, too? Like, let, that's the other big takeaway from the weekend. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I'm shocked Frank Beamer didn't catch a stray. Actually, if you see my Twitter at VT, I retweeted Shane Beamer tweeting about what Frank Beamer did this weekend. He enjoyed himself. I uh, I saw he did down in South Carolina for their game against Mississippi State yeah. as his son Shane held on to get the victory. Um, yeah, I don't think there's much for that, um, for Frank to be catching them. But there are other coaches that probably could, uh, which is fairly easy anyway that later when we come back more in depth on your teams and topics in covering the commonwealth uva virginia tech and hey a bright spot liberty university all that's still to come this is the fast lane on the cbs sports radio lynchburg app hit us up fast lane edling facebook twitter instagram and trail off et on his socials as well 